Welcome to season two of Moment of Truth. We are Bethel Campus Fellowship, and our vision is to lead students to Christ and prepare them to become reliable men and women that God can entrust with his word for the next generation. My name is Sarah Oke, and I will be your host. We have some very special guests here with us today, but before we get into that, I do want to share that the BCF National Conference is coming up in February. The dates are the 18th through the 20th, and you can register right now. Go to BethelCampusFellowship.com and register today. The theme is mature, and we'll be talking about that today. So if you haven't already, go and register. You do not want to miss this conference. This conference is for you. All right, let's get into it. So we have some very, very special guests here with us today, and I'm going to have you all introduce yourselves and then just share what school you went to or currently go to and where you serve in BCF. So we can start here and then move around. All right, I'm Toby. I uh, went to University of Maryland College Park and University of Maryland Baltimore, and I currently serve in BCF uh, with the LST Leadership Services and Training. Awesome. Hey, I am Abby Sola. I went to the University of Maryland College Park and also Georgia State University, and I'm currently the co-state rep of Maryland. Nice, nice, nice. And our recurring guest and co-host? Yeah, I am Uncle George, and um, I'm a professor at Bowie State University and the national director for Beto Campus Fellowship. Awesome. So welcome, you all. Very, very excited to have you here. So today's topic, like I said, is going to be kind of a precursor to the national conference. We're talking about the topic of mature and maturity as a Christian. And specifically today, it's about putting away childish things. And that comes from the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, where Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So we're going to get into that shortly, but I'm just going to take a moment to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this time that we're gathered here to discuss and get into your word. I pray for every single person who is listening right now. And I just pray, oh God, that Lord, you would minister a new thing, that you would Um, Lord, speak to our hearts and we would hear you calling us higher, calling us, Lord, to your standard of what it looks like to be a mature Christian. We just thank you, Lord, and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, so let's get into it. I want to actually ask you all a question. Um, So I know we've all here been saved for different kinds of years and You know, you can never fully, fully be mature in Christ, right, until we, you know, go off to be with the Lord. But I'm sure that throughout your journey as a Christian, you have seen yourself mature in some type of ways. I'm sure that in some areas you can look back and say, okay, back then I was speaking like a child. I understood as a child and I've grown. So kind of just walk me through what was your journey of maturing as a Christian? What were some childish things you had to put away and what did that look like for you? So anyone can go first. I can start. I already, uh, my journey started in 2008. I was like just about to leave middle school and um, going into high school. One of the things that I had to put away was talking too much. And um, <laughs> I was a jokester in high school. I talked too much. I got in trouble in high school. And this is all the while, you know, while I was growing my faith. I was a believer and really following God. And so um, one of the things that I realized was that um just, you know, there's a scripture that God gave me way back in high school is in Proverbs uh, 10, verse 19. It says in the multitude of words, you know, uh, sin is unavoidable. And I just mm-hmm. found that I would get phone calls home uh, from my uh, teacher to my parents and things like that. And this is while I was a believer, you know, so it was definitely a time of immaturity and growth for me. And one other thing uh, just to mention, uh, arguing about pointless things, things that really uh, in the Bible mm-hmm. that really didn't mean anything like, you know, our dinosaurs, when were dinosaurs alive <laughs> or all these weird things that really didn't have anything to do with uh, what Jesus Christ came to do. And so, um, you know, I think about the scripture um, in Second Timothy where it talks about, you know, shunning vain and profane babblings that don't lead to anything more than ungodliness. So mm. those were some things for me. That's good. Yeah. I was thinking also about Proverbs thirteen three where it says he who guards his mouth keeps his life. <laughs> Okay, Abby, you can go next. Yeah, so I gave my life to Christ when I was a high school student. So I was 16 years old, and 
Um, the big there's two big things for me. One was lying. I would just lie about nothing. <laughs> I would just lie about all just nothing <laughs> for no reason. Um, that and my mouth. Um, so Toby talked about talking a lot. There was that, mm-hmm. but for me it was like how I spoke. Mm. So I had a very sharp tongue. A very sharp tongue, and I had a nickname that um, my family called me because of that, and um, a reputation in my school also because of that. Like, yeah, you don't want to mess with Abby because she will cut you up, like, with her words. And Mm -hmm. so coming into Christ, um, because, of course, like, for since I could talk and, you know, had that attitude and things like that, I was pretty much treating everyone the same, Um, parents, uh, adults, everyone, Um, my age mates, um, I have a lot of stories, but I'll just say that um, the scripture that really I remember um, reading James and the scripture that really uh, hit home at that time and still does today because we're still all maturing and God still does definitely check me on those times where it happens. Uh, but being quick to listen and slow to speak in James mm-hmm. 1, um, 19. And so that was something that I had to put away. Um, and so by the grace of God, still putting away. Um, but yeah. High school life when, you know, everyone's joning <laughs> on each other and mm, yeah. um, even into college, yeah, too, real. even Memories. into college, too, where, yeah. I mean, the best thing is to have a good comeback. I mm-hmm. mean, yeah. and so it's kind of whack, right, um, quote unquote, as a Christian, like to be silent. Yeah. When you're, cheek. Yeah. But I learned it was hard, but um, that's something I definitely had to put away. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Jonah got me in a lot of trouble, man. I know. Yeah, especially if you grew up in PG County, going no, to school. No, honestly, oh, my and, and goodness. it's almost like it was like a thing in my Christian walk where it's like, uh, do I have to give this up to like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, can I keep this thing around? And um, you know, eventually you have to put away those things. Yeah. Good yeah. Um, yeah, it's the same thing. You know, when you get born again, you're just a baby. You really don't know much. You don't know the rules. Mm. You don't know the commandments, you mm. know. And many times you start from what you know, which is religion. Um, and then you start seeing that there is more. If you say you are born again, then things begin to drop off. In my own case, I would say a couple of things, uh, you know, just even something like anger was mm. uh, an issue. But God rebuked me sharply, you know, along along the line. He said to me that anger dwells in the bosom of a fool. The day I read that scripture, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I pitied myself. So (laughs) I had to ask myself, are you a fool? You know, and I still teach people with that scripture tomorrow. Mm. So anger kind of fell off. Or even when I manifest it, I know I have, you know, it's wrong. I have to get rid of it. Um, Just also wanting to be people's pleaser. Mm. You know, wanting everybody to like your actions. Mm. You know, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, I had to, mm. I had to contend with that and come to a place where I know that it really. I mean, it matters what people think, but not when God is saying something different. Um, I, you know, the Bible says in First uh, Peter chapter two, verse two, it says, "Like newborn babies, mm. crave pure spiritual milk." so that by it you may grow up in your salvation Yeah. now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So reading the scriptures uh, was something I didn't take seriously, you mm. know. But after a while, after uh, in my journey, I noticed that God spoke to me through scriptures. So I began to read it intentionally and mm. note how they spoke to my character, to my life. Mm. And that was uh, very useful. But it was difficult to become, begin to read the scripture as a matter of routine, as mm. a matter, of, you know. But those are that's the kind of things I faced. Um, just also mm. loving people was, you know, you know, you know, it's easier that's to it. love self, right, mm. than to love people. Um, I had to deal with that. Yeah, love of self. Mm. Versus loving people for whom they are and then actually being able to help people, to sacrifice for people's lives. Mm. So those were some of the challenges. But the Lord has helped me over over the years to to yeah, continue to grow. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely relate to what a lot of you said. Um, for me, so funny enough, the other day I actually had a dream and in that dream it was a um it was a NICU where premature babies are when they're born. And so it was a baby that was premature 
And you know when a, a baby's born premature, they have to put them in the NICU and they have to monitor their temperature. They have all these cords, you know, going into uh, their bodies and they're being checked on very often. You can only hold them a certain way. And basically their life is being sustained by everybody else. They can't do anything on their own. Mm-hmm. But there gets a point where the baby is now, quote unquote, mature. They reach a certain benchmark as far as height, weight, being able to breathe, whereby they're now released to go with their parents and breathe on their own and sleep on their own and eat on their own. And it was reminding me of uh, the childish thing that I had to put away, which was thinking that the only place I could really have a serious encounter with God was at events. So at a conference mm-hmm. or at a Gethsemane experience, Marvel's encounter or at church, those are the only places where I would really, really encounter the presence of God And when I would come home, it would just be, you know, nothing. I didn't even have an expectation Mm. that God could meet me in that kind of way. Mm. But then um, James 4, chapter 8, where the Bible says, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to to you. you. Mm. And so I had to take that word and believe it and say, okay, well, if the word says this, then let me actually put it into practice. And so part of me maturing was me realizing that I can encounter God even when it's just me Mm -hmm. in my, in Mm -hmm. my own room, in my bed. So that was just not a thing that I had to put away. I have a funny story. Yeah. (laughs) So just to go off of that, I remember a time where I thought if I didn't fall out, I didn't encounter God. I said, if I wasn't on the floor, nothing happened. That was my first conference. Mm. And let me tell you what happened. Mm. So I was actually expecting God in my room just as it would be, you know, at the conferences, at the events. And I was just like, God, if you just touch me now, I'd believe in you more, you know, and things like that. So something happened where I, in a way, forced myself. I forced my own encounter. (laughs) (laughs) Like, God, yes, you did it. (laughs) Thank you, God. And I was on the floor just crying. And I was like, what is this that's going on? I was just like, you know, I don't even know. So my sister opens up my room door and it's like, what are you doing? Get up. She's like, what are you doing? Get up. And that's literally all for me. It wasn't necessarily a scripture, but I just knew right then and there that like, this is childish. Like Mm. God is literally (laughs) with me and even inside of me. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's not these extravagant encounters that literally equates God's presence. Um, Mm. And so I think maturing is just knowing, believing the Bible and taking it at, you know, face value really. So yeah. um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And if I can just say something, I really like this conversation because I think that as we reflect and look back, and see where we were immature, see the things we had to put away, we see clearly that there's no way that we can go back. Mm. Um, And I think for me, in reflecting and having this conversation, um, just gaining the ability to see Christ more clearly as you can see the contrast between what immaturity in Christ looked like. Like Abby's describing, like, yo, my faith was based on sight. It Mm. was based on the things I could touch, feel, or see. Mm. You know, but we know in 2 Corinthians 5, um, verse 7, it says, you know, we walk by faith and not by sight. And just seeing that, wow, like, the rest of my life, I need to continue to move in that level of maturity, walking by faith, not by feelings or emotions, in order to get the fullness of what Christ has to offer me for me. So I think this conversation is encouraging for me, just even in the reflection. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, I can just add one more thing. (laughs) You know, once you get saved, you find out that there are so many things that need to go mm. if you are genuinely saved. Yeah. Yeah. And there is this inertia not to continue in the same direction and the same movement with, of you know your natural life. Mm. And it's painful when you have to drop some things you really, your flesh enjoys. So I mm. had to deal with those things. You know, many of you are not as... Terrible as I was, you know, many of you, (laughs) you didn't sin a lot and you just got saved. I sinned a lot, you know, so, and if you had had girlfriends and dated people and, Mm. you know, commit, you know, did sex in one way or the other, it's just sometimes difficult to abruptly, Mm. just severe things. Mm. Cold turkey. So, uh, as when you get born again, you notice the first attack the first attack i had was how do i release all these things all these people in my life and build new relationships Mm. and build a a new culture a new way of thinking Mm. you know so i battled with thoughts you know as a young convert you know um until but i was also very fortunate because i got filled with the holy ghost almost 
around the same time mm-hmm. and it made a whole lot of difference mm. but then i was able to be to operate in the holy spirit mm. and get strength and get direction but with all of that secret sins you know still constitute a problem you know constituted a problem and what he did was he kind of made me go up and down in my spiritual walk mm. you know you know today you are very Hey, Woo-hoo. praise the Passionate, Lord, hallelujah. Yeah. The next day, you are, you collapse like a flower under the sun, you know. You just mm. sh- shrink, and people are like, what happened? Mm. You know, yesterday you were dancing and screaming, but today... So it took the Holy Spirit to come to a place of consideration, and it took intentional, intentional action in cutting off things that I knew mm. that God didn't like mm. me to carry with me. Intentional, brutally. Wow. Sometimes, yeah. people would think maybe you know this guy is crazy. This guy is a fanatic, mm-hmm. but fanaticism for me then was not a negative word. Right, mm. it was a needed, needed word. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was necessary. You know, in order to survive. Mm. Yeah, I like that you mentioned um, secret sin because sometimes people think that you can still flourish as a Christian with these hidden things because people don't know mm-hmm. and you're able to still play the part, but it's, it's not true. So I kind of want to expound on that and just even address other things that maybe you dealt with or you're aware of that sometimes as Christians, we can say or declare, you know, mm, this thing isn't really that bad. I can still mature and grow in Christ despite mm. this thing that's, that's here. I know I hear often a lot um, and you can insert the black with anything like, I can still continue to engage in secret sin and mature in Christ because God knows my heart. He knows Mm. that I'm going through a process, but then that process ends up being 10 years long. Mm. So, you know, what's really happening? Like, are we lying to ourselves or Mm. are we really letting God mature us in those areas? And of course, like we know that um, there are the things that, you know, are societal or cultural, not really those things, but more so the principle of the matter of, um, you know, when someone will say, well, I can still do this because, I'm still maturing. I'm still growing. It doesn't really affect me. Mm. How do we address those things? Yeah, I think just to use myself as an example, um, very early on, my and this kind of speaks back to one of the things I had to put off my mindset and approach initially with uh, when I got saved was give me, give me, give me. With God, it was like I would be like I said, I got in trouble in high school or get in situations, and that's how I began to develop a relationship with God, praying to God like, Lord, get me out of this situation. If you get me out of this, no, don't let me get suspended or don't let this happen. Like, you know, all those things. And God would come through and show me mercy. And I remember as I saw that God really answered prayers. It's started having me to read the word more and as I began to read the word more I began to be confronted by my own personal sin I remember the first time I encountered Matthew 5 28 where Jesus is like hey if you lust after a woman in your heart you have already Mm. sinned against me and that began to convict me because my relationship with God at that time was such that God was doing all these things for me and it was like man I never really do anything for God so as I was searching the word to know how to really know the Lord and actually do something for God. And as I encountered those scriptures that confronted the secret sin in my life, the sin that you might not see uh, physically, you know, lusting after a woman in my heart, like I was at a, a point where God is confronting me like this needs to change, you know? And um, I think of scripture in Psalm 51, it says God desires truth in the inward parts. And so mm. um, I think that when you actually um, allow God to his word to confront you and to uh, convict you, he's going to come at those places that don't look like Christ in your life. And there's really not much that can be argued about it, no matter how you justify it. Mm. I do want to ask. So if there's someone who's listening, who right now is dealing with a secret and something that nobody knows about, um, they've been trying to get over it, but the cycle keeps continuing. They try to, you know, go to altar calls and repent hands laid on them the whole nine. And they're still dealing with this exact same thing. What is their way out? How do they get out? How did you get out? So I think first is addressing the fact that we're talking about secret sin. So I think the first step, of course, is repentance. But even more than that, um, being open about what happened and actually in a way you can say um, telling on yourself. Um, I think that can honestly bring a freedom that allows for healing, that allows for um deliverance and that allows for anything else that's um, pretty much needed for that person to be set free. Um, It's not, um, 
You know, the Bible says it's not good for a person to be alone. Um, and of course, it's talking about Adam and Eve and things like that. But it's just not good for you to suffer alone and yeah. be in and sin alone secretly. Um, no one knows about it. And you've tried to come out of it. I think the very first thing is to be open and come out um, and share about that and repent. And I think um, even James 5.16 says, you know, to confess your trespasses onto one another so that you will be healed. So there's actually yes. a healing that takes place when you openly say, I have done this thing. Mm. Um, and allow the body of Christ to surround you um, to your freedom. Amen. Yeah, the Bible also says that a righteous man will fall seven times but get back up again. And so I, I also think that the the discouragement of, of cyclic sin, discouragement of having something happen over and over again, shouldn't stop us from getting up again because mm-hmm. God is still able to deliver. He's still able to save. Um, we just have to continue. Mm-hmm. Um I want to address. You know, oh, I was going to say something. Um, you're talking about uh, how to get out of secret sin. Right? Secret sin, yes. Yeah. Um, I think knowledge is very important. You know, people perish because they don't know. Mm. Many people don't know what sin is. Mm. Many people just think that sin is misconduct. <laughs> You know, yeah. uh, behavioral issue. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but when you talk about sin, you talk about death. The sting of sin is what? Death. death. It's death. It's a spiritual word. And the Bible made it very clear. It said the, the yoke of sin is broken. Mm. So it's a yoke. Sin is a yoke. And the yoke is anything that controls you, right? That makes you not be whom you should be. Mm-hmm. When Jesus Christ came and died, that yoke was broken. broken. But if you are carrying a yoke and you don't know that that yoke is broken, you will continue to carry a yoke even mm. though the yoke is not there. Yeah, mm. it becomes a psychological wow. thing. Mm. So there is a knowledge of what Christ came to do mm. that every believer must have. have he yeah. came to conquer sin. Destroy the works of the devil. Yes, yes. he destroyed the work of He came to seek and to save the lost. Yeah. So to be a believer and still be yoked with sin is contra- contradictory to what Christ came to, mm. to do. Mm. So the Bible says we became slaves to righteousness. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, some people be, are still slaves to sin, right? Mm. But when you're a believer, you become a slave to righteousness. righteousness. So some of these basic truths are the things that set us free. Mm. from secrecy and we need to understand that sin is a poison you know if you put a poison in a container and ask me to to uh, drink it mix it with tea and tell me to drink it <laughs> it's still poison <laughs> it's still poison yeah you know so when people understand that this is that they will make it nobody wants to eat poison right mm. no so i think yeah. there's a basic understanding and knowledge that all of us must seek and when you get that understanding sin becomes something when you see it, mm. you flee. Yeah, because if it, if 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 sin could they can destroy, I don't see why anybody should be cohabiting with it. Yeah. Mm. I think an illusion of some Christians who I guess profess to be mature, people see as mature, is that sometimes they become so desensitized to sin, or like you said, lack mm. of knowledge, that it no longer has that stinging effect anymore. And so we kind of term it they, as they think it doesn't have it because but not that it because we're so it. mature mm-hmm. now. This thing isn't actually stinging me mm-hmm. because I've matured. Mm-hmm. I've matured so much, quote unquote, that this thing that other people are calling sin and declaring to be wrong isn't actually sin because I'm fine. Mm-hmm. God is still speaking to me. Mm-hmm. God is still blessing mm-hmm. me. I'm still hearing the Holy Spirit in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that becomes very difficult because now others will say, well, this person is a mature Christian. And they're mm-hmm. still doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why are my mentors or my spiritual leaders telling me this Making is sin when this yep. mature Christian is still living life? They're still sharing fire revelations on social media. Mm-hmm. So what's this the is issue? Good. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is this is a really good point that you bring up because, um, you know, I'll just read the scripture here. Second Timothy two, verse 19. Um, it says, nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his and everyone who names the name of the Lord, let them depart from iniquity. And so I think this is so important because sometimes we have these ideas that, you know, you can be walking in unrighteousness and still be doing the things of God. And it's like, well, 
if you're doing it, it's okay. But I like how the scripture here, it says God knows those who are his and his foundation stands true that if you are actually his, you should be departing from iniquity. And one of the things that I like to uh, just point out, right, is that no matter if you uh, the repercussions of your sin are being manifested, right? It's like, oh, I might be living a good life ministering, but I'm doing pornography or I'm doing these kind of things. And I think it's okay. Like the devil knows what sin is and he knows those open doors. So even if in your physical life or reality, you're not seeing what's going on in the spirit, like sin is still sin. You know what I mean? And sin is still the open door for the enemy in your life. Mm. And so no matter what we think, no matter what we say, the devil is going to take advantage of that. And sometimes if we are following people who are, uh, giving a license to sin, the challenge is we are going to be inviting things into our lives spiritually that are going to be more detrimental than we can imagine um, on a physical level. Mm. Mm. I just think that it's crazy that we, um, or um, many Christians or some Christians we can say are arguing of following and not following such a people. Mm. And in second Timothy three, five, it says literally to run away from such people. It says, um, they act religious, but they reject the power that could make them godly. Mm-hmm. Stay away from people like that. So literally the Bible is telling us to run away from such people, but we're mm-hmm. arguing that we should follow them. <laughs> They're doing this, so let's do it too. Um, I mean, the Bible is clear, I, I believe, on these things. You know mm-hmm. you know that the, the more sinner you are, the more friendship. With the world. With the devil. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Even with Satan. You know, the more he loves you. The more you sin, the more you are in love with Satan, and the more Satan actually cherishes your company. Mm. Because uh, what drove him out of heaven was sin. Mm. You know, so, and he created, hell was created for him, but he wants to take many more people to hell, right? With yeah. him. So if he can get us, all of us to become sinners, then he has company in hell. Mm-hmm. So people don't want to see that sin connects us to the devil, and that's why the Bible mm-hmm. said, "Do not give Satan a foothold." Yes, you know, and, and it's through sin we can give him a, that opportunity. Yeah, and I think even carnality and worldliness, mm-hmm. because sometimes people don't see that as sin. Mm-hmm. But the Bible says in Romans chapter eight, starting from verse six, it says, "To be carnally minded is death," and mm-hmm. we also know that the consequences of sin are it's also death. death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God. The Bible also says that friendship with the world is enmity with God. God. Yeah. And it says, for it is subject to the law of God, nor in, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. Verse 8, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I'll read it again. Those who are <laughs> in the flesh cannot, and it is impossible to please God when you are operating in the flesh. Verse 9 says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, Mm. but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Mm. I think the Bible just makes it so clear. Um, There is no way that someone, regardless of their title or their status, how many books they've written, how many sermons they've preached. God can use anybody. Mm. We're all vessels. Some vessels are used and they're thrown out like paper plates. And some vessels are vessels of honor, like gold and silver. And I think sometimes what confuses Christians is when we see these vessels being used in mighty ways, but Mm -hmm. we ignore the fact that they're bearing fruit that are not good. Mm -hmm. And when we see the carnality, we think, okay, this is a Christian that's being used by God. Mm. So maybe it's okay to be carnal because mm. I still see what looks like the power of God moving. But the Bible makes it so clear that that carnality can only lead to death. Yeah. And they are in fact not pleasing God. They're, mm. They may be doing God's work, mm. but they're not actually pleasing God. Mm. And that's what good. God actually cares about are those who please and not just those who do his work. Because mm. he even said, whether the gospel is preached with good intentions or bad intentions, at the end of the day, the gospel is preached. Yeah. But will God say to you, depart from me for I never yeah. knew you. Yeah. And I think what will shock a lot of Christians is that they will be the ones to hear God say, they will, they will be the ones to say to God, I did all these works in your name. I cast out demons, cast out devils, 
But God will say, you were in the flesh. You were yeah. carnally minded. You weren't actually pleasing me. Yeah, yeah th- I think this brings into question the theme of maturity, too, because it's like even from the example you're given, it's like, do we have Christ in view as far as what the standard is, as far as what mature Christianity looks like? Mm-hmm. Um, and have we sometimes and I know I've been subject to it even earlier on in my faith, just looking at bad examples and emulating them mm. almost led me into wrong doctrines and things yeah. like that. And so it's like, do we have Christ fully in view um, or are we just watching, you know, different people to find out who Christ is? And um, mm-hmm. I think this is a really important thing. One scripture I do want to share just to your point, you brought up the Matthew seven twenty one, where it's like, Lord, Lord, didn't I do all these things in your name? Mm-hmm. And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you work as of iniquity. iniquity. And just to take it a step further, uh, Psalm 50, verse 16, it says, but to the wicked, God says, what right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth? Seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you. When you saw the thief, you consented with him and you have been a partaker with adulterers. You give your mouth to evil and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done and I kept silent. Mm. You thought that Mm. I was altogether like you, Mm. but I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. And I think this is a powerful scripture that speaks to uh, that same idea that sometimes the challenge is that God doesn't judge or punish sin immediately, right? He says, I kept silent. I watched you do all these things and you thought I was altogether mm-hmm. like you. Mm-hmm. You thought I was okay with it, but my standard never changed. Mm-hmm. Second Timothy two nineteen, right? The Lord's foundation stands short. Uh, he knows. That those, yeah. He knows, knows those, those who, who are, are his yeah. and those who name the name of the Lord must depart from, from iniquity. iniquity. So if we think that sin and unrighteousness can coexist, even as a servant of God, even though, wow, you're a mighty man, you're preaching, people encountered God, your prophecy was accurate. So what mm-hmm. right like if you miss the standard like you're operating in a different spirit and something is mm-hmm. off and so we have to be careful yes you know i have something to say about this whole idea of thinking that doing is maturity yes mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's a big big problem mm-hmm. that because people don't realize that we are incapable of doing any spiritual work for god all of us mm-hmm. put together there's nothing that carnal man can do for god mm-hmm. A man that is not touched by the Holy Spirit cannot touch anybody for God. Because mm. mm. it's the Spirit of God that actually touches people. Mm. Yes. You know, it, it comes with the eternal nature of God. And it, it kind of, when, when the Holy Ghost touches you, mm. you don't need to fall down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you will know he touched you. Mm. You know, so I believe that the, 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 the story I wanted to share was what just happened to me when I went to Nigeria, which is, you know, something I, I'm still thinking about. I was so tired. And they called me to come and minister somewhere. You know, somebody's getting going to wed and I was called. I was so tired. I walked all day, you know, and I drove down there. My, of course, uh, got there, stayed at the back because it's <laughs> not a familiar terrain where, you know, ministry in Nigeria is not something I do very often. So I was behind and, you know, you know, the respects you know carrying the bible and all of that and i didn't know anything to say i mm. was tired from work but then they gave me the, that mic and we did worship after the worship i came to speak i noticed some unusual things if i passed around if i you know people were just falling off and i'm like is this me <laughs> <laughs> no people were just falling off before I even touch, people mm. are just falling off. And mm. I'm like, so this God is so real like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first thing I realized that was that it wasn't me. Yes. Mm. It was not me. Because mm. I had not done my normal three days fasting before that kind of event. Wow. Yeah. I had not even sat down and prayed <laughs> for 30 minutes that day. I went to work mm. and it was a science project I was wow. doing. Mm. So I finished mm. that and came out and I didn't see the connection between me and what happened. Mm. <laughs> Other than that during the worship, mm. God decided to touch his people. Mm. Yeah. You see, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the doing, the doing, 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 accounting, doing as maturity is it's total not. nonsense. We yeah. have to think about this, the difference between doing and being. Mm. Being yeah. a child of God. Yes. And then counting yourself worthy because you are doing, doing. They're, they're two separate. They're different. Yeah. yeah. You know? So maturity requires that we become. Mm. 
Yes. You know. Mm. Yes. Um, good yeah. point. Yeah, I think we should we should talk about that. What does maturity look like? Because we shared a lot of things that we know are not actually maturity. You know, we shared that looking to others to be our standard is not maturity. But what does it look like to mature in Christ? And I think you started at the, the right place, which is to become like Christ, to mm-hmm. seek out who he is and to seek to be like him. But let's talk about that some more. So what does it look like to mature in Christ? How do you seek out Christ? How do you how do you become more like him? Mm. I would say uh, obedience to God's commands. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, uh, keep my commands. And I think that, um, you know, sometimes because we come to Christianity and God has to transform and change us, the tendency can be to have God's commands conform to where we are and where our limitations are. But I think Mm. that's one of the first points is like being willing to say, God, these are your commands and I agree even if I'm found in the red or in the wrong initially, mm, like I'm costs. willing to conform and to change to your standard. And that's what it's really about. I think that's one of the signs of maturity, a heart that's willing to conform and to embrace his standard, not, you know, change it. Mm, that actually, reminds, I don't know if I shared this on a podcast before, but when I was a junior at college park, um, we had a take home exam and the professor told us you have 75 minutes to do it. And I want you to email me when you start, email me when you finish don't use Google. Don't Google anything. Just um, only use what you know. Like, take it as an actual exam. And so I remember I took it at home. I was taking the exam. I started my time. And when time was running out, I realized I'm not going to be able to finish this exam. It's just not possible. And in that moment, I had to think, what am I going to do? I can easily just open my laptop, begin to Google really quickly, and then just get the answers Or I can lie and tell a professor that I only took 75 minutes and just keep working on it and basically compromise my integrity. In that moment, I just I just had this thought that my journey with Christ and where I've come thus far isn't worth me stopping here just because of an exam. You know, even if I fail, no matter what happens, I would rather choose Christ than to just throw it all away because of a grade. And so I remember we went back to class that following Monday and we were at our table after we turned it into the professor and I had written on my exam. I did not get to finish. I didn't do four questions and each of those questions were 20 points. So I automatically had a D on the exam exam. I'm a junior in college D by default. Right. So I'm at the table and my classmates are talking about the exam and they're like, oh, how was it? Did you guys actually use 75 minutes? And they're joking about it. And I said I didn't finish. And the look I can't, the way these people looked at me, it was as if they had seen the most stupidest, most foolish (laughs) person in the world. This girl said, what do you mean you didn't finish? You could have used Google. You didn't have to tell them that you didn't finish. Like, what's wrong with you? And I just said, I didn't finish and I didn't want to lie. I kid you guys not. The next day, the professor comes back with our exams graded and he said, I dropped your lowest four questions on the exam. Shy. (laughs) What? that has never happened in my history of being in that class, especially that that's the same professor that told me on the first day of class, my exams are designed for you to not do well. So good luck essentially. But he literally dropped the number of questions that I didn't do. And I realized in that moment that even if that didn't happen, like even if he didn't drop it, I still would have been okay because my integrity before God mattered so much more to me than just that one grade. And so to your point about obedience, um, sometimes obedience is not convenient. Sometimes it doesn't feel good, um, but the Lord does say that his commandments are not burdensome because we have promises that come with it. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't feel good to turn in an incomplete exam, but I had security knowing that God said that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to this purpose. So maturity looks like obedience in all circumstances, in all situations, even when it doesn't, it doesn't feel the best. That's a good point. Amen. I'll read one scripture then. I think Abby wants to say something. I'll read uh, Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 verse 19. And it says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Um, the question then is, what does it look like for Christ to be formed in someone? Mm. You know, um, when I think about that, I think about a woman that just got pregnant, you know, and um, has a baby growing in them, 
you know, it, it, it doesn't feel the same. Uh, and one, 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 um, one zygote is a small cell, which is the embryo. When it's just one cell and begins to grow, proliferate, uh, you know, f- you know, goes, to, uh, it gets to the third month, right? It gets to the sixth month. It doesn't feel the same. Mm. There's some restraint that begins to come as a woman's uh, tummy be- continues to grow, right? There are certain things they are no longer able to do. Yeah, some freedom is taken away from them as this baby grows. So as Christ starts growing in us as we learn more of him as we feed ourselves with the word of god many people don't know that the word of god is christ himself mm. as you feed yourself you're going to start coming to a point where certain freedom that certain things you used to do that's why we say it says we become slaves to righteousness certain things begin to fall off and christ begins to develop begins to overshadow us begins mm. to take over our lives the more and more that's why we, mo- we begin to become adults in christ you know, there's a place of maturity, honestly, when mm. you begin to, you are trained to know what is good and what is bad, mm. you know, mm. and you have that self-will and self-control, that spirit control to choose what to do and what not to yeah. to do, to know when to buy cost something and when to keep that thing, when to flee and when to stay. These are things that when you have Christ fully grown in you, formed in you. Um, like Paul was saying, it takes work. He said they were traveling in labor, right, for that to mm. happen. So yes. it's not easy, but it does happen. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You yeah, just really quickly, um, Romans chapter 12, 1 to 2, but in the message version, because your question is about what does it look like to be mature? Yeah. And I think the simple answer is here. Um, it says, so here's what I want you to do. God God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Wow. And so, um, because earlier we were talking about, like, how service is not our maturity. So because Mm -hmm. you've ranked up in the ranks of whatever (laughs) um, in in what you know wherever you are, like, service-wise, that means that you're more mature. But rather it is, um, rather it is more so that, you're actually living right before God and everything about your life that people see and that people do not see more. So what people do not see. Yes. Um, so that's basically your story about integrity with your classes and really just living before God mm-hmm. um, and allowing him to grow you from the inside out, even when other people are not applauding you. I think that's yeah. where you really find maturity um, where you're not trying to grow so that people can see, you know, more scripture or yeah. things like that, mm. but it's because it's you actually show. want to live for mm. Christ. Yeah. You actually want to know the word so that you can live it so that you can make heaven. Mm. Not so that you can know the word so that you can preach it so that you can be applauded type of thing. So mm. I feel like maturity really, um, that's what it looks like. And um, there's a lot of, a lot of that takes place in the secret place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there are, there are obviously a lot of things, but there are two things I feel like really mark a mature believer. And one of them is what happens when people are not there? What happens in private? What happens when you're studying abroad in another country? Yes. What happens when you're with family on vacation? What happens when your campus buddies aren't there evangelizing with you? What mm-hmm. happens when you're in the grocery store? When it's just you? Mm-hmm. What does your Christianity look like? Mm-hmm. And then also, honestly, I think one of the things that matured me, obviously we're, we're all still growing, but tests and trials. Yeah. Oh my, the, the times when you feel like you're just <laughs> going to break, like, oh my, I, like, I still remember the days when I would be driving, when I was living in a hotel because my house burned down, I was driving to College Park every morning, just crying my eyes out. I didn't know if I should cry or pray or praise or laugh. <laughs> I think I did. I had such a long commute. I did all four. <laughs> it was just praying, praising, crying, the, the whole thing. Yeah. And I remember there was one day where I was driving and I literally said, God, I have no one and nothing else but you. Mm. I have nothing that I can lean on. At least it felt like I had nothing I could lean on except you. Obviously you have community that's there, but they're not going to be 
there with you at 3 a.m. You know what I'm saying? People also have their own lives. And like just going through just very serious hot fire just going through so many things mm. made me mm. it almost forced me to either break or learn to put yes. my trust in god mm. entirely yeah and so i think that the way that we look at trials and even the way that we go through trials is important because i feel like the trials that you go through will either make you curse god yes. or say wow yeah. even through this my god has sustained me yeah i think that uh what you just pointed out is another mark of maturity, you know, uh, total dependence and reliance on total God. Dependence, yes. You know, and I think that, you know, Jesus, when we look at the anatomy of Jesus, like what makes up a mature believer, we have to look at Jesus and what you're saying. It makes a lot of sense. Like Jesus depended on God. He didn't trust or rely on the arm of the flesh to, you know what I mean? To be his source or to be his end all be all. And I think that's an important thing for us as believers, even in situations like we may be people who are heavily surrounded with community, but will we be able to stand even when community is not, not there, there or exactly. even in different circumstances. And so I just think about um, Hebrews five, eight, you know, he learned obedience through the things he suffered and mm. even being able to be obedient to God, even when they're suffering, that's on the other side. Like I know a lot of times, even with your testimony, you're like, Hey, you know, I stood for integrity. I did what was right in God's eyes during my exam and a blessing came out of it. But even when things even don't go right, happen. like, yeah. and sometimes we can be uh, as Christians quick to reject, oh, this is not the will of God because they're <laughs> suffering on the other side of God wouldn't want me to suffer. But yeah. no, like, you know, Paul, uh, Peter said it in first Peter, though you suffer for a little while, this yes. is working out for your faith to be more made more precious than gold. And yes. I think that's a reality to embrace. Um, as mature believers that if we die with him we will also live with him if we endure we'll reign Ooh. and so it's like we can't just embrace the idea that everything is happy clappy you know what I mean yeah. and like only be obedient when it's convenient yeah and may I just add real quick because we know the scripture but just to read it out for us James chapter 1 um, from verse 2 it says consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whatever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces mm. perseverance verse 4 let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature mm. and complete lacking not nothing. lacking anything mm. lacking nothing and so trials are literally I see it this way an opportunity to grow yeah trials present like god allows trials because he wants to give you the opportunity to do what to actually exercise your faith so the things that you're reading and hearing about it's not just for you to preach mm -hmm. at people but for you to do <laughs> for you to do when no one yes. else is looking um whether or not people are looking but literally just for you to do um mm. so just you know throwing that out there that's so good yeah i want to just read additional scripture and say <laughs> something he said not only so but we also glory in our sufferings because glory. we know mm. that suffering produces perseverance, mm. perseverance, character, yes. and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Mm. What scripture is that? This Romans is five. Five. Romans, Romans chapter five, five verse yeah. three. That is so powerful. Man. And, you know, trials is, you know, there was a time in my Christian walk, I would pray, God, don't get me out of my trials. Because, I mean, my wife didn't like it. I said, because, you know, the purification that mm. comes from trial yeah. mm. does not come when everything is going nice and well. easy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so if you really want to grow in Christ, there's this purification that comes when you are forced to pray. You, mm -hmm. are, you are forced to pursue mm. God. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You, know, you know that this is going on and you want to get yourself out of it. But at the same time, you want to... You're enjoying the purity yes. mm. that is coming from it. Yeah. And unfortunately today, many people count suffering as immaturity. Mm. Mm. You know, I'm suffering because I, I'm, I did something I'm, wrong. I, did something wrong yeah, you know? I don't have enough knowledge. But Jesus said, this person that is blind, what, what, was he the father or the mother that sinned? No, nobody. They, mm -hmm. He didn't sin. Mm. There are certain things that happen so that Jesus can be glorified. You know, so the trial aspect of life... Um, I think I wanted to give an example of how I got a job, a very jo a very beautiful job. I, I, in, when I was in Nigeria, I, got, I had my master's. I was looking for a job. I got this job. But I lied on the day of interview. You know, <laughs> I lied in that interview. And I was afraid they would ask me a question. And I knew that that question, if they ask me, if you say yes to it, you're not going to get the job. So I lied. And they gave me the job, basically gave me a promise. But then I got back to my, the house and I told my mentor, 
because I was bothered. My conscience was worried. Mm-hmm. I was crying. Even you know how they give you a job where you're not crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Satan, Satan messed me my with my head, and mm. I knew that I lost it with God. So mm. my mentor told me to go and tell them the truth. Mm. Basically, go and reject the job mm-hmm. that I was praying about. And you know, the next day, <laughs> I went back, mm. called the manager, and said, "I lied to you." I know you gave me the job, but I have to tell you the truth. So mm. if you guys need to take the job, mm. that's fine. You know, if you know the amount of money in Nigeria, then they were going to pay me. And you wonder whether I was crazy. Mm. I went back and told them, but you know what happened? Mm. The whole organization, after I said that, said that they forgive me and that I can keep that job. Mm. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Wow. And that's the job that brought me to the US here. Wow. You know, so wow. Sometimes trial and that was trial for me. Oh yeah. It was serious trial to enter b- back into public transport and go and tell somebody that gave me a job that I lied. <laughs> 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 that you should keep his job. So trial really helps us mm. when we handle it properly. No, mm. I agree. You know, there's a scripture in First um, Peter four. It talks about um, in verse twelve. You know, don't think it strange the fiery trial that has come to test you. Mm. Later on, it goes down to say that uh, if we suffer for Christ, you know, not as an evildoer or as a victim of our own mistakes and things like that, it produces um, righteousness and closeness to God um, in the sense that uh, we're able to be partakers of His holiness. And so. Uh, just with Uncle George's example, thinking about the fact that like there are certain things that God will allow us to uh, go through that he'll put us through um, that is going to perfect our faith, which is also different from when we ourselves delve into uh, sin or delve into our own mistakes. Those things still work to refine us and to reprove us and to correct us and to give us a clear picture of who Christ is, you know, mm. so I uh, just wanted to point that out. That's so good. This is this is so good. We definitely have to keep this conversation going with a part two. Um, but unfortunately for this episode, we do have to start wrapping up. So I do want to give all of you an opportunity just to share your final your final statement. What is something that you want somebody to hear? What do they need to know when it comes to maturity and putting away childish things? Surely we're all still growing. We're all still maturing. But what is what you what will you leave the listeners with? What's your final statement? Go ahead. Yeah, I definitely have to say this because this is burning on my heart. Let us I hear, hear it. it so many times. <laughs> and I this is one of the childish things I had to put away myself. But this notion of like, if someone doesn't know me personally, who are they to correct me type of thing? Ooh. Yeah. And if I would say like this, if you and this is from First Corinthians chapter five, verse 12. Um and so I encourage everyone to read the entire chapter because you get the context of what was actually happening. There was simply a guy who was sleeping with his stepmom and then it came before the whole church. And then, Ooh, you know, there's a whole uproar about it. And then at the end of the day, verse 12, um, I'll try to find it really quickly here. First Corinthians chapter five, verse 12. Where are you? Here you are. So it says for what? Have I to do judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? Right. And Mm. so um, it talks about it in the message version, I think another way really clear. But long story short, it's that we actually have responsibility onto one another. If you are saying you are in the body of Christ, then we have I have responsibility for you. Whether or not I know you. Mm. And I like how someone um, normally says it like this. If, I, if I'm a random stranger and I'm coming up to you and encourage, encouraging the mess out of you, you will readily receive it. Yeah, mm. I, I don't know you, though, but I gave you that encouragement and yeah. you received it. So what more of correction? And even the Bible says in um, 2 Timothy 3.16 that the word of God is good, right? Mm. And this is my paraphrase, but 2 Timothy 3.16, it's there um, for teaching and training into righteousness it also talks about rebuke and correction Correction. so that's a part like that has to be a a good part of i mean it has to be there because those who are growing and maturing you don't know everything right and so that's why god will put you in a body of christ of people who have walked out this um this uh you know this journey with christ right and who obviously know the word of god and are able to share it with you by the influence of the holy spirit and so if you want to grow you want to be corrected yep 
that's just where it really stands to be. So put a, you know, I really encourage people to put away the childish thing of like, if you don't know me, you can't correct me. You and can't judge. You me. can't judge me and things like that. And of course, we're not talking about that eternal judgment. You're going to hell, you know, whatever. That's just the end for you. There's no hope or anything like that. No, you're not the devil. It's just giving a judgment like we're, exam- you know, we have exams, yeah. right? And so there's a, a, a showing of this is where you are right now based on these standards, which mm-hmm. is the word of God. Yeah. So that's really the judgment that we're talking about. And even that for First Corinthians five twelve is talking about there too. That's good. I feel like it's just always best to assume that if a brother or sister in Christ is correcting you, it's because they love you. So like put, put the, no the, the delivery, the delivery may not have been the best and yeah. that happens sometimes, but take the meat and leave the, is it take the meat and leave the bones, right? Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Hear, hear what they're saying. <laughs> I don't know what the too. analogy is. Yeah. Shoot it has, the bones it has yeah. 14 in it or something. Yeah. And then if it's, if it's touching you, if it's touching you, then go, to, a, go to the Lord. Go to God about that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but that's really the big thing. I mean, if you want to grow, there's a time you will be corrected. Yeah. And it's needed. It is needed. Yeah. But that's also because people are placing their self, uh, you know, self-awareness, self-consciousness, self-respect above eternal things mm. you know, people don't want to be insulted and all that we're so conscious of insult mm. but my last word uh toby you want to go <laughs> no all yours you look so excited <laughs> yeah um it says uh, uh as obedient <clears throat> as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance but just as he who called you is holy so be holy in all you do for it is written be holy because i am holy holy. um holiness is not optional Mm. for a believer and uh, i think when we get it everything god does is holy yeah the holy spirit is holy (laughs) yes so if you want to engage with him Mm. yes you have to pursue holiness Mm. you know sanctification is not optional Sanctification is being made holy. Mm. Justification is coming to Christ, you know, uh, is what Christ came to do for us. He brought us into his kingdom by justifying us as sinners, right? It's a one-time experience. Mm. You are justified once. But then sanctification is Mm. something that keeps on happening as you grow in Christ. You are being sanctified more and more and more. Mm. Um, As you are being pruned and things are being cut off, you know, this is, anger is cut off, sexual perversion is cut off, Mm. lost, you know, all these emotions are dropping off one by one and you're becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. So Holy Spirit is is the one we need. Mm. Because the one that will convict you of sin is the one that will teach you about righteousness. It's also the one that will remind you of judgment that is coming. If you don't have him in your life, you can't do much mm. with, with God. Mm. Yes. Yes. That's so good. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Not just sin of what not to do, but also righteousness of what mm. to do mm-hmm. to be holy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, uh, my final thought is that um, when uh, our Christian walk becomes more about um, how much of my life prior to Christ can I still keep or still okay Mm, or still mm, acceptable, mm, when that becomes the thought process or the road that we're going down, then we are already venturing down the road of immaturity, Mm. you know. um, And I'll share this last scripture just to kind of encapsulate that, which is uh, Philippians 3. Um, verse number uh, four to eight, Paul says, though I might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have more confidence in the flesh, I'm more so. I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Concerning righteousness, which is in the law, I was blameless. But what things were gained to me, these things I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I count I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, uh, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. Mm. And I say this to say a lot of times in our Christian experience, we get caught up in, well, how much of my old life is okay? How much can I still do? Like, no, this is okay. In fact, Christians are just like, it's like big headline discussions we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Are these things okay or not? But 
as or long even as like when I first got saved, I cut it off because I didn't really know much. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. now that I'm mature, I've realized Sheesh. that I can actually I wish we do these things. Can we do a part, part two? Part so two? I can no, like, that, no, that's a deep please. one, man. That's a deep one. And I'll, I'll speak on it briefly. Paul said it this way in First Corinthians 15. He says, if we uh, say that Christ was crucified or rose from the dead and mm. he did not rise, then we have become false witnesses. So mm. imagine me coming and saying, oh, Christ delivered me from A, B, C, and D. And then five years down in my Christian walk, I'm saying, oh, I'm now more mature right and so i'm back doing these things well then the testimony you gave however many years ago you were lying that christ delivered you from those things mm. so then did christ did you really have an encounter with christ did christ really set you free like what is the basis of your, of your foundation if the things you once put away you are now going back to embrace right like mm. there is a problem either you were a false witness you were testifying <laughs> like that christ Jesus. delivered you from something <laughs> or you have simply gone back to your vomit yeah and so mm. this con this comp called them dogs yeah yes. go mm. back to their vomit yeah mm. Yeah. And so I think the, the, the matter is this. If we are still, if the matter of our conversation, our thought process is what part of my old life can I still keep? Then you are already venturing down the thought process of immaturity and mm. contra contrast uh, to what is really of Christ. And so um, our, we have died and our life is hidden with Christ in God. So there's no mm. part of your old life. That's what Paul is saying here. He's like, hey, I was circumcised. I knew how to be a Pharisee. I knew how to talk around in church. I knew the lingo. I knew all these things. If you were not born again, all of those things were useless. No matter how much you knew how to play the drums in church, no matter how familiar you are with any of these things, your old life is of no value to Christ or to your life in Christ there's nothing that you can take when you're buried in those waters of baptism mm -hmm. there's nothing that you can take with you from out of that water that's what it symbolizes and yes. so I just want to encourage anybody who may be listening to this that um there's nothing from our old life that we can take that Christ is going to find useful. He is, our life is to now be discovered in Christ. Mm. I have been crucified with Christ. It is yes. no longer I who live. So yeah, all the thoughts of me. your past life of, oh, maybe this is okay. Maybe I can still talk to girls this way. Or maybe I can do this. Like those things are useless and of no value to Christ and will only pull you down further away from Christ. Mm. Mm. Wow. That's powerful. There's nothing to go back to. Wow. 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 Um, my final words I was thinking about all that we've been sharing and um, I feel like someone might be wondering what's the point if I can make it to heaven because the Bible says that if we confess with our mouths and believe with our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, he's raised from the dead, then we shall be saved. So if I can be saved and go to heaven, what is the point? Why still want to do all this to be quote unquote mature why do I have to live up to what you're saying is quote unquote Christ standard and I just want to read from first Corinthians chapter 9 I'm going to start from verse 23 it says I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize run in such a way to get the prize Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And I think the reality is that you know, we may all make it to heaven. All of us who are saved may all make it to heaven. But it's not just about making it to heaven. How will you spend heaven? What will eternity be like for you? There is a crown for overcomers, the Bible says. But not only that, I feel like I would, I would, I would be so upset with myself if I get to heaven and I begin to feel regret that I could have done more. I could have loved God more. I could have laid my life down more because when I get to heaven, all I'm going to do is worship Christ. My life is going to, well, my etern eternity is going to be about him. And I will no longer have the opportunity to say, I am giving my all for Jesus Christ. I won't have the opportunity to say that I'm forsaking the world because of my love for God. I won't be able to give God the sacrifice of worship that I can while I'm here on earth. I can't, I can't love God with my money in heaven. I can't, I can't sacrifice my life the way that I, that I am here on earth in heaven. 
while I'm here on earth, this is the only time that I can deny myself. It's the only time that I can choose not to be like the world. It's the only time that I can choose to be holy or even to have faith. I have no need of faith in heaven. And so I don't want to get before God and have that feeling of I could have done more. Billy Graham, before he died, someone asked him, um, if you could do it all again, what would you do differently? And he said, I wish I would have loved on Jesus Christ more. This is Billy Graham. Billy Graham, who we esteem as being this great, great person. But it just hit me that all these things that we go back and forth about, when I get to the Lord, I can't even have the thought to want to lay this down for Christ because by default, I'm going to be worshiping him. And so for me, my answer to that is, if we actually want to love God with all of our mind, body, soul, and spirit, that means that whatever it takes, whatever could possibly stand in the way, whatever can be let go of, I will let go. I'm not reasoning with what I can keep and what, can, what I can hold on to, but I'm saying, Lord, any possible way that I can love you here on earth, any possible way that I can serve you here on earth, I want to do it. So that's my final statement. However you can love God to the uttermost, however you can give God your all, Whatever you can sacrifice, whatever you can lay down, lay it down. Because when the day comes that you breathe your last breath, it's all over. There's no more, no more opportunity. And sure, you may make it to heaven, but will you have that crown that the overcomer has? Will you have that crown of the high calling? That is my question that I leave with everyone who is listening. So stay tuned for part two. This conversation is going to continue do ponder and pray on what we've said. And I pray that the Lord has blessed you and ministered to you. So I'm going to close us out with prayer. Father, we just thank you. Lord, we bless you for your word. We thank you, God, because Lord, you even give us the grace to mature. You give us the grace to grow in you. It is your spirit that gives us understanding of your word. Lord, you are the one that calls us unto you, God. Your word says that nobody can come to you unless you first draw them. So Lord, I pray for everybody who is listening to this, that Lord, you will draw them. And when you say, seek my face, that our response would be, yes, Lord, it is your face that I will seek. Grow us up, oh God. May Christ be fully formed inside of us. We just thank you, Lord, and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.